Encourage. We're uh, still in our series on Encourage. Hopefully it's been encouraging. And uh, the word encourage literally means to infuse with courage. Infuse with, cur- with courage. And so uh, some, you tell somebody you're very encouraging, uh, you're literally saying you're infusing me with courage. So maybe we don't always use the word encourage uh, the way that it actually means. I'm going to pray and then we'll get uh, started here in John chapter 14. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is truth. And Father, we thank you for your Holy Spirit, that we're not alone, that he leads, guides, directs, strengthens us, encourages us, infuses us with courage. Father, we trust him now to speak through my lips and speak through your word. We thank you, Father, that we don't have need that anybody teach us because we have your own spirit. We thank you, Father, for anointed uh, ministers of your gospel uh, that help to lead and guide and be a mouthpiece for you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Uh, John 14, 18. John 14, 18, in a Geneva translation, I will not leave you fatherless. I will come to you. Jesus is saying, I'm going to go away, but I'm not going to leave you uh, comfortless is the most common translation. They have it right up there. I will not leave you comfortless. Well, um, really that came from a Bible translator by the name of uh, Wycliffe, uh, Tyndale, sorry. And he used the same word, uh, comfort, uh, to mean he has made me strong. So when the Bible says uh, through the mouth of Jesus, I will not leave you comfortless, he says, I'll not leave you without strength. Or another translation says, I will not leave you fatherless. James uh, chapter one, verse 27, pure religion and undefiled before God the Father and the Father is this to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world, to visit the fatherless and the widows. And so there is a place in the word of God and in life for fathers and husbands. And the Holy Spirit actually is that kind of a comforter. Uh, Let's read... uh, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. We normally just read this at Christmas time, but we're also reading it during the series. For unto us a child is born. Who is that? Jesus. Unto us a son is given. Who is that? And the government shall be upon his shoulders. Who is that? And his name shall be called Wonderful. Who is that? Isn't he wonderful? Counselor. Who is that? The mighty God, who is that? The everlasting Father, who is that? The Prince of Peace, who is that? Huh. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And so in John 14, 18, when Jesus said, when I go away, I'm going to send you another comforter. He's saying who? His own spirit. The spirit of God. 
And so that comforter, or I won't leave you fatherless, Geneva Bible says, I won't leave you fatherless, I won't leave you like an orphan, so you've got a father figure. So what is a father figure doing? Well, one of the greatest things a father is to do with children is to infuse them with courage and stamina and tenacity. 2 Corinthians 4.18, excuse me, I don't say 18, I like 18, but 13. 2 Corinthians 4.13, we having the same identical exact match the same one, one in the same, not a different spirit, but the same spirit. We having the same spirit of faith. I have believed, therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. Why do we speak? Because what we believe. Well, that's, I, I would almost like to fin- just do the rest of the time on that. Because if you want to find out what you believe, just listen to what you're saying. Not when you're saying what you know you're supposed to say, but when you're unguarded. Your unguarded speech, what are you saying? Because that's what you really believe. Um, You know, you'll find when pressure is exerted upon you, you may actually, um, it may squeeze out things that aren't really from your heart. You know, because you got all this pressure. Well, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about just on regular lifestyle, what are you doing, what are you saying? That's what you actually believe. So it would be kind of dangerous to convince yourself you don't believe that because you're going to go through life blind and deceived. It'd be better, this is like a father talking to children, Right? It would be much better to recognize, ooh, I don't really want that to come to pass in my life. I must believe the wrong thing. So I'm going to change what I'm saying to match what God says. And the way I'm going to change what I'm saying is number one, I have to change what I'm thinking. And the most powerful way to change what you're thinking is to let your mind be completely changed and transformed by the word of God, Romans 12, 1. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The renewing of your mind. And so, and uh, it's the same root word as the, Greek, as the English word metamorphosis. So you know, like, when you let the word change you like that, you're as different as a caterpillar is from a butterfly. Right? When you're a little kid, before you learn that, if your mom or dad said, are those the same insect, you say no. Or same creature, no. <coughs> but actually, it's the same being. It just has such a massive change that it even functions completely different. Like before, it could just crawl on the ground on a bunch of little feet, and now it can fly with the wind. Isn't that cool that that's the same root word that's used for what happens to us when we take the word in such a measure into our hearts that it completely transforms us? That we're like a different being? Well, when you receive Jesus as your Lord, 
If any man is united to Christ, 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us, if any man is united to Christ, he is a new creation. There is a new creation, and it is the one who has given their life to Christ. They become united to Christ, and they become brand new. Well, you know, you say, well, I I saw somebody, or I myself uh, received Jesus as Lord, but I look the same. Well, outwardly, you look the same. But inwardly, every old thing is gone. Every old thing is gone. Well, I don't know, that just thrilled me right there. Every old thing is gone. Like, it's not like, you know, you ever have to try to clean up some mildew or something like that, and you get like the best products and all that, and you're like, man, there's still this a little hint. There's still, no, that's not how God does Every old thing is gone. Behold, all things have become new. All things have become new. And so you are brand new on the inside, a new, not a new product, not a new like, uh, oh, somebody just made this brand new thing. Have you seen the latest, greatest phone type thing or whatever? Um, Not like that. But you're a new creature. You're a being a new being. So it's not like a a thing. You're not a thing. You are a spirit made in the likeness and the image of God, made as much like God as God himself has the ability to make a spirit. So you are recreated in union with Jesus Christ. And you were recreated to communicate and commune and spend time with God himself. And the devil is a liar and a thief and a deceiver. The devil is a liar and a thief and a deceiver. And if you'll listen to him, you will be lied to, you will be stolen from, and you will be deceived. Well, the pro- one of the major issues with deception is you don't know that you are deceived. Well, the blood of Jesus prevents that deception and stops every attempt of the enemy to deceive you. Why? Well, as a believer, we have chosen to live our life based on the power of the blood of Jesus, the work that Jesus did on the cross. What's the work he did on the cross? Well, on the cross, you know, he took every sin known to man and the root of of every sin and the nature of every sin, every sickness known to man and the root of every sickness known to man. I find it very, very interesting that they classify all sickness and disease into 39 major categories and Jesus was whipped with a whip of 39, uh, excuse me, with a whip and 39 lashes with that whip. It's like he was whipped once for every category of sickness and disease known to mankind. And then, you know, in 1 Peter 2.24, let's, let's turn over there. I didn't intend to turn there, but let's turn over there. 1 Peter 2.24. Um, I'll start with verse 22. Who did no sin, speaking of Jesus, he, he didn't sin. He was perfect and is perfect and will always be perfect. 
He is of the Father. He came out from the Father. He came to show us the Father, the will of the Father. He said, when I came, I don't even do my own thing. I'm not here to do my own thing. I'm, I'm here to reveal my Father. I'm here only to do His will. My, my purpose in life is only His will. I, uh, you know, I'm doing some scriptures while you turn over there. Him who did no sin, that's Jesus our Lord, neither was guile found in His mouth, who, when he reviled, was reviled, reviled not again. <laughs> that is a person who has dominion over their flesh, let me tell you. You're going to say it about me? Then I'm going to say about you, right? Oh, Jesus gained victory over that, so if you struggle in that area, rely on what he did. It's a real key to deliverance in your life especially from things of the flesh. Because we all have flesh. But you go and you find where Jesus overcame that lust of the flesh, that sin of the flesh. And then you receive his overcoming power in your own life because you are united to him. You're a new creature in him. The same life that sustains God flows into the believer. The same nature that is the nature of God flows into the believer. All right, I better hurry. When he was reviled, he reviled not again. And when he suffered, he didn't threaten, but committed himself to him that judges righteously. Well, that's a, that's a good answer right there. When you're reviled or when you suffer and you just, you just did what was right. Well, I'm committing myself to the Lord. The Lord will take care of me. The Lord will make it up to me. The Lord makes things right. The Lord takes care of me. The Lord has blessed me. The Lord knows exactly where I'm at. I'm under his blessing. I'm not under the curse. Well, you say that as a, as a, you put a stake in the ground. I refuse to accept the thief coming into my life or the thief coming into my family or the thief coming, you know, where, where I have authority. I'm not allowing the thief to come. How do you do that? You stand by faith. Ephesians chapter 6, having done all to stand, you stand therefore putting on all of the armor of God. How do you stand? Well, you got to put all that armor. You put all that armor on, you could stand for eternity because the word of God is eternal. And the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God for pulling down a strongholds. So you, you arm yourself in the armor of God. You cannot be defeated. Well, you can be defeated without arming yourself in the armor of God because without him, you're nothing. But with him, you're, you are Christ in the earth. You're not the Christ, but you are part of Christ in the earth. In other words, you are the anointed one in his anointing in the earth. You are the answer to every problem and every situation, and you have him on the inside of you giving you direction. And not just any direction. He might come up to you and say, you are not a wimp. Stop acting like it. Don't you realize what my blood did for you? Don't you realize the, the impact and the reverberations from what happened on the cross. That, that, that happened over 2,000 years ago, but we can visit the same event and the same power of the event 
right here today in the preaching and believing of the gospel that the same power that raised Christ from the dead is available today in your life, in your situation. So if when, Christ, when God raised Christ from the dead, if he did not defeat whatever you are trusting him for, you have no business trusting him for it. But if he did defeat it, if, if, if he did take it, if he did overcome it, glory to God. It belongs to you. You ever people hear people like talk about their family name? Well, you know, a name is a very important thing. If you have the right name, it will grant you access to positions, opportunities, jobs, money that you couldn't get any other way. Well, if you have a bad name, it will withdraw access to those things. So that names are still important. And, and what kind of name you have. But you know, Jesus, when he was on the cross, we talked about this uh, uh, beginning of the month when we were doing communion, right? You know, Moses, as Moses lifted up the serpent on the pole, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And I thought, why? Why, why is this image you know, they didn't have Polaroid back then and they didn't have like smartphones. So they actually carved this image of the snake into this pole, Moses' pole, Moses' staff. And that image was the image of the snake that bit them and they were dying from that bite. And the reason that they were bit is because they... I, I, I talk to my kids about this sometimes because they were whining and complaining. <laughs> oh, it'd been better if we just stayed in Egypt. You just brought us out here to die. So their own mouth brought death and destruction upon them. It opened the opportunity for the devil to steal, kill, and destroy their life because of their own mouth. So as a result of that, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm picturing myself like, okay, well, yeah, I've done that before. <laughs> it's pretty horrible. And uh, you think, then as a result of just having that really bad attitude and questioning God, well, you know, the, when they sent out the spies to go into the promised land, Ten of them had an uh, evil report and two of them had a good report. Why was it evil? Well, it was a report of doubt and unbelief. Doubt in who? God. Unbelief in who? God. They didn't trust what God said. But Joshua and Caleb had a good report and they did trust what he said. And again, you find they said all of these things. You know, same children. This is just on their journey. So they, they didn't come by this uh, complaining problem like it's not a new problem. But in the big scope of things, all of them, 20 years and under, of the, of the, you know, they took a lead person out of each of the 12 tribes is how they got the number 12 spies. And so of the 10 tribes, 
where they had an evil report of doubt and unbelief, they came back and they said, oh, it's an amazing land. It's full of milk and honey. And wow, we've seen things we've never seen before. But the, the people who live there, they are huge. We're like little grasshoppers in their sight. And, you know, that's what it seems like to us. And that's what it seems like to them. Right? We're puny. We can't do it. You know, we should have just died in the wilderness. You know, and you know what? They got what they said. Because if you keep reading there, Numbers 13, 14, he actually says, I'm going to deal with you according to your own words. And so they got what they said. So it is really important that you watch your mouth. Watch your mouth. Watch your mouth. Watch your mouth. I guess say it to my kids. <laughs> watch your mouth. So I said to myself, what an amazing thing, and why is this so? Because I'm thinking, why do you want me to think about the evil that I brought on myself? And Amplified says, whoever, you know, uh, King James, I think, says, whoever looks will live. Amplified amplifies it and says, with a steady, constant, absorbing gaze. Think about that for a second. So we're looking at the image of the snake that bit us because of our sin. With a steady, so I'm not looking away, constant, I'm continually looking, and I'm taking it in. I'm absorbing, absorbing gaze. Whoever looks at that will live. And, of course, the reason this has such significance is not because of what happened to them, but that's wonderful for them that they could look and live. But Jesus talked about this. He said, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man, speaking of himself, be lifted up, that any who looked would live. And so it's like he's saying, if we could just see our own sins and the penalty for those sins on the cross and we had a steady, constant, absorbing, I'm taking it in, absorbing gaze, we would live. So there's something about seeing my sins no longer on me, but taken off of me and put on him. Come on, when, in the old covenant, when you, would, when you would sin and you had to make a sacrifice and you take, and the priest would take and he would lay hands on the, the, the lamb or the goat and transfer through the laying on of hands the sins that you have committed onto this goat, then the goat must, you know, one was a scapegoat who would go in the wilderness, but the other one, the, the, the lamb and the goat must die because of the sins to cover the sins. You think of the plan of God. He was crucified because of me, because of my sins. He didn't do anything wrong. He was reviled. When he was reviled, he didn't revile again. It was because of me. 
So Jesus said, if you look and you take this in, you recognize this, your sins were placed on the tree, which is a place of shame and it's a despised place, that your sins are now in the place of greatest shame on the tree. This is wonderful. Not on me. They're on the tree. They're on Christ. And he defeated them right there on the cross. And then after the cross, something happened in that day and a half. It's, it's three days, but if you study, it's actually a day and a half. He went to hell, the Bible says, and he defeated the devil in his headquarters. You know, it's like you think of the Civil War, like they're trying to keep them out of Washington, trying to keep the Confederate South out of Washington, D.C. It's like they went right into the Capitol building and just utterly defeated them. And, and, and not even like we do wars today. I mean, you're talking like took all the stuff, took all the authority, you know, took all the oil, took all the whatever, like... Totally utterly defeated, so that the devil has no more power, no more authority over those who are in union with Jesus Christ. When you're part of the kingdom of God, that kingdom has defeated the kingdom of the devil. The kingdom of light has already defeated the kingdom of darkness. And so we're not to fight and battle as those who are defeated, but we fight and battle as victors. I'm supposed to at some point get to resistance training and I don't know if I'm going to make it today. Praise the Lord. You need some resistance training? So, verse 24 of 1 Peter, who his own self, speaking of Jesus, bear our sins... We just learned about this. In his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. By the stripes of Jesus, you were healed. That you being dead to sins. When's the last time that you declared that over your life when you were tempted? Oh, I'm dead to sin. I'm dead to that. I live to righteousness. I live. I live right. Well, you can't do that in your own strength and your own power. You're going to mess up. I mean, James said, if you keep the whole law, but you offend in the slightest little part, you're guilty of the whole thing. That's why you see people say and act like, well, I messed up. I might as well just really make a big party of the mess up now. 
Well, what is that? There is built into every person an understanding of what is right and what is wrong. And when you're living by works, that's what you can produce, what you can do. You'll find, every one of us will find, at some point when you live by works, you will hit a, a threshold and a place where you, you messed up. Might not have been big or could have been big, but you, but you can't make it all. You can't, you're not perfect. Thank God we don't have to be perfect. You know how much work it is to try to be perfect? I've tried it many times and I fail at it every time. But thanks to the Lord who has delivered me from that kind of life. Thanks be to God. Do you know what he wants from you? He wants you to please him. You know how you please him? Hebrews eleven six. 6, without faith, it is impossible to please him. And if I'm living by faith, I am not living by works. I'm basing my, my, my impetus, my thrust, my reason, my foundation for everything I do when I live by faith is what Jesus did and who Jesus is and the character of Jesus and the power of Jesus. Like, I'm no match for that. He's more than a match for that. I don't have the wisdom for that. He has the wisdom that created all things. And he lives on the inside of you if you're a believer. And he lives on the inside with the spirit that infuses you with courage. So when you come to a situation where you don't know what to do, you look to the encourager or the infuser with courage on the inside of you. And what? He'll sound something like, Joshua and Caleb, when they said, they're all complaining, everybody's around and this can't be done, we're small, we're insignificant, we don't have the ability, there's so much prosperity, it even overwhelms us, and they said, give me this mountain. And you'll be like Paul on the ship that's fallen apart, they'd already thrown off all their supplies, all that money lost, all that labor lost, all that time lost. And Paul said, in the middle of that storm, in the middle when it looked like they're all going to die and they were despairing for life, Paul said, in light of all this, I believe God. <laughs> You'll be like David. He shows up. He shows up at the battlefield. Young man, what does he know? What does he know? He's just a young person. Well, you don't know any better. You're too young. You ever heard like, how, how, do, you, uh, how do you boil a frog? You, you put it in there when the water's cool and if you just keep them in there, you slowly turn up the heat. He's not going to recognize that he's being boiled alive and he'll just stay right there in the water in the pot. So all of these mighty warriors are right there in the pot and they're starting to get uh, 
boiled. In other words, oh, the, the, they were defeated in their hearts. And so they therefore didn't even launch out into battle. How many times has that happened to you? Don't raise your hand. I should have said, don't raise your hand. How many times has that happened to you? I used to do television for a long time in ministry and, you know, behind the scenes. And uh, they teach you when you're directing. And you got all these cameras, say like five or six cameras, and you're saying, uh, you know... Um, you say pan or tilt or zoom. You give them direction on a live, live camera shoot. And, you know, you say like, um, you got, say, six cameras. Say, uh, pan up and to the right, camera five. Well, you don't say that because you just had five or six operators thinking you want them to pan up and to the right, and you said camera five last. You're supposed to say camera five, pan up and to the right. So that you didn't waste every other people's time and they didn't, you know, so there was a director one time and uh, there was a trumpet player and they were filming the trumpet player, one of the cameras, and the trumpet player, man, hit a horrible, horrible note, just totally botched it, messed it up. And there were about five or six cameras on this, in this event. This was at Rama. A friend of mine did this. And um, so he's the director, so he's on the intercom and he says, somebody shoot the trumpet player. Well, in video, when you say shoot somebody, you don't mean with a gun, you mean with a camera. So he had this one camera that was on the trumpet player that was getting the sour note, and all other four or five cameras left what they were doing and shot the trumpet player making the sour note. Well, a good thing, I guess everybody listened, but I mean, then he had no other shot except you have... <laughs> Everybody, you're emphasizing the problem. So David shows up and says something that's probably very simple to every one of those warriors. Why are you letting this happen? He is, he's not defying, by defying you, he's defying God. How dare you defy the armies of the living God? Those are God's armies. They're like, they're not even there doing their own thing. They're doing God's mission. How dare you defy? So it sounds a lot like David when the giant just starts talking to him. And David doesn't say, you're right, I'm so small. I'm so young. What do I know? I know nothing. He said, how dare you defy the armies of the living God? I will this day cut your head off. Well, if you'll check, those are the kind of things that the Holy Spirit is prompting you on the inside. That you stand up, you buck up, and you take care of this. It's just a, even in a practical way, you find your flesh... Well, a lot of times your flesh doesn't like confrontation. And a lot of times your flesh would rather sit in what we call veg out than actually do what you know you should be doing. Like you should get this taken care of. You need to make sure this is taken care of. Or sometimes, you know, 
So we're talking about the spirit of faith and living with the spirit of faith. Well, sometimes, you know, like, something I learn it becomes more real through experience and aging is like deferred maintenance is not a good thing. Whether it's your body, whether it's your, auto, or Dave, your automobile, whether it's your house, because you're saving money today, but you're actually costing yourself a whole lot more money in the long run. But if you live by faith in every other area, what do, in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 7, therefore, as you abound in all of these other graces, diligence, faith, your love to us, see to it that you abound in this grace also. What's that? That's the grace of giving and receiving. You know, chapter 9, verse uh, 8, I think it is, one of my favorite giving verses that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, can give into, what, every good work. What does he mean by that? It seems like he means that you have all of your needs met so you can give to every good work. That's a pretty phenomenal prosperity scripture. That you prosper so you can give to every good work? Why? Well, if I can't feed my children, it's very difficult for me to, like, give to every good work. So, you got deferred maintenance. Why don't you put your faith on maintenance? Like, well, I'm going to pay to get this taken care of. I'm going to pay to get that taken care of. Well, just take one thing at a time. Exercise your faith one thing at a time. Your faith grows exceedingly, Paul told the Thessalonians. Uh, here's the question. Is your faith, would you describe your faith as growing exceedingly? If not... How's that happen? Well, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word. So if you're not meditating in the word very much, your faith's not growing exceedingly. I'm here to tell you. If you're under deception, if you're not reading the word a lot, your faith is not growing exceedingly. But if, you, if you're feeding on the word, well, you could have exceedingly growing faith. And if you have exceedingly growing faith that the Bible calls exceedingly growing faith, you know, next year about this time, it's going to be a lot different than it is this year at this time. Praise the Lord. The paraclete, William Barclay said, is the spirit, is the constant, illuminating, strengthening, enabling presence of Jesus. Listen, do you hear that? Constant, illuminating. He's always giving me light. Do you have that? Like you should consistently be receiving light from God on the scriptures which give you light for life. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So if you want to know in life how to have light, what is light? Well, that means you're not in darkness. What's darkness? Well, in darkness, you might stub your toe. Uh, you might trip and fall over something. But in light, when you can see, you can accurately place your steps. And I love was it Psalm 19 or 18? The Lord said, I have given you large places to put your feet. I have given you large, like, oh, I'm, I'm so scared that I'm just going to make a mistake. Oh, no, 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 no. You haven't received the goodness of God then because he said, I, I gave you large places, large places to step. Yeah, yeah, there's times in your life when he says, you need to go this way and no other. But you know, the atmosphere in which you live is the Lord is good. 
and his mercy endures forever. That means he's a good God. You don't need mercy if you don't mess up. So his, he's good, and he's had about all the mercy he's going to have with you. It's run out. No. God's mercy never fails, never fades out, is never obsolete. His love never comes to an end. For the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. Come on. Even if you turn away from the Lord because things start going good. You hear what I said? Even if you turn from the Lord because things start going good. The Lord said the healthy don't need a physician. I came for the sick. They need a physician. So what? Well, sick people will typically look for help more than people that are healthy. Well, Psalm 107, if you ever have time to read it, I love Psalm 107, but it goes through this. Like, you know, oh, they're, they were in despair and had a lot of trouble, and so they sought the Lord, and he heard them and delivered them from all of, it's, I love how it says it, delivered them from all of their destructions. <laughs> I guess I can relate to that. Okay, so he delivered them from all their destructions. But then what does it say? Like, well, as life went on, then they got distracted again, went over. The Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. And that whole chapter goes back and forth, back and forth. And so you see like human flesh, trust in the Lord. Things start going good and they start just doing their own thing. Then they turn back to the Lord. I have to quote it for just, just one second. It's so good. Psalm 107. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he's redeemed from the hand of the enemy and gathered them out of the lands from the east and the west, the north and the south. They wandered in the wilderness in a solitary way and found no city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted in them. Are you hungry? Are you thirsty? Is your soul fainting? Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them out of their distresses. Now we're talking about encourage, infused with courage. So it's interesting when you read, especially in the Old Testament, when they cried to the Lord for years, I thought they were like, oh. What do you say? I'm wandering in the wilderness. I'm all alone. Right? Wandering in the wilderness in a solitary way. Lord, don't you know how bad this is? Can't you do something about this? That's not the kind of cry. Actually, that kind of cry brought the snakes. Why? Because that kind of cry was doubting God. This kind of cry... And when you see in the Psalms, when they cried out to God, it was a shout of God intervened. It was a shout of faith. Do you get that? It was a shout of faith. They cried out. It's better if you study them. Look, it'd be better if they said cry out and they cried out to God. They didn't cry to God. They cried out. Like Peter, Lord, save me. He cried out to God. 
In other words, Peter had no doubt but that Jesus, when Peter was walking on the water and began to sink, Peter had no doubt that if he cried to God, Jesus Christ, he would save him. That's exactly what happened. And so here, uh, they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he gave them a lecture saying, you shouldn't have done all these things. Why did you do this? You know you deserve this. You're going to have to endure this. No, that's not what he said. They cried out to the Lord in their trouble, in the middle of their trouble. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He delivers me from evil. He prepares a table before me, where? In the presence of my enemies. Wait, I thought, I thought living by faith meant that I wasn't going to have enemies. I thought that living by faith meant everything from that moment on when I accepted Jesus, everything's just going to work perfect now. Like I don't need to do maintenance on my car. It'll just run perfect. I don't even need to fill it with fuel. It's just going to work. I don't, definitely don't need to change the oil. I mean, why would I do that? You know, they make them now so you don't have to change the oil. I don't have to change, obviously I don't have to change a tire. They don't give me a spare tire anymore. I'm going to get on a soapbox. Anyhow, so I just thought when I bought this, you know, Tesla, where's my Tesla? When I bought this Tesla, there's no maintenance. Okay, he delivered them out of their trouble and their distresses, and he led them forth by the right way that they might go to a city of habitation. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and his wonderful works to the children of men. For he satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with goodness such as sit in darkness and the shadow of death being bound in affliction and iron because, why? Because they rebelled against the words of God and contemned the counsel of the Most High. Therefore, he brought down their heart with labor. They fell down and there was none to help. What happened? Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them out of their distresses. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and broke their bands in sunder. In other words, broke them in two. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and his wonderful works to the children of men. For a second time, I'm not going to read the rest. But you see, the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. He said, I'll be with you in trouble and deliver you. So you're receiving Jesus as Lord is not a ticket out of trouble. It means that you have become more than a conqueror through him. And so now you more than conquer when you do it his way. What you do right now is you join your faith with me for supernatural shortening. So as we started last week, you know, count it all joy, James chapter one, when you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith 
develops endurance or perseverance or the Greek word hoopamon in you, which is the spirit in a man that instead of turning away from a strong storm or battle will actually turn, face the storm and say, bring it on. That's the spirit of the Lord. That's the spirit that was upon David when he ran at Goliath instead of cowering like everybody else, instead of listening to what everybody else said. That's this, we having, Paul said, 2 Corinthians 4.13, we have that same spirit of faith. What would your life look like if you believe that scripture enough that you did it? We having the same spirit of faith that David had when he ran at Goliath with his mouth open. Do you think David went at Goliath believing he was going to, that David was going to be defeated? Do you think David ran at Goliath hoping he would overcome Goliath? Hoping alone? He had hope, but he believed. He actually said, you know what he believed because he said it. He believed he was going to kill him that day, cut his head off. And that's exactly what he did. How do you know if you're in faith? Well, you get the results. <laughs> you know that you know. That's, a, that's a, another part of the message. Psalm 91, 14 through 16. I'll be with him in trouble and deliver him because he set a lo his love upon me. Therefore, will I deliver him. Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. Or this is the victory that overcomes the world, even your faith. Abraham considered not his own body. Uh, Romans chapter four. Abraham considered not his own body which was now dead, or the deadness of Sarah's womb, but became strong in faith, giving glory to God, knowing that what he, that is God, had promised, he was able also to perform. So Abraham had this same uh, uh, thing like we have at different times, where he had this promise from God, yet it looked like, in his, in, and it was true, he did not have the ability to make it come to pass. Sarah did not have the ability to make it come to pass. They even tried to come up with a reasoning sometimes will lead you into sin because they try to come up with a way and it, it, it's still causing problems today. <laughs> so Abraham overcame the, sim the symptoms and the circumstances that contradicted what God said by believing he was able and given God glory. Well, why do you give God glory? Because you believe you receive. Whatever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive it and you'll have it. When do you have it? After you believe you receive it. Do you have it when you believe you receive it? No. You believe that you receive. Mark eleven twenty four. 24. You believe that you receive. You believe that it's yours. And then you have. You do the believing, and the Lord makes sure that the having part is taken care of. You do the believing, the Lord makes sure the having part is taken care of. Stand with me if you would. You know, 
Melody uh, taught the kids last week, and she came back in afterwards. I don't remember who she talked to, but she talked to somebody and said, hey, did he talk about resistance, you know, resistance training? And no, he didn't. <laughs> I was going to do it this week, so we'll have to do it next week. But you know, like, resistance training is very important, especially as you, I feel bad I'm staying here now, especially as you get older. <laughs> And so I, learned, I really learned a lot of this from Pastor Mac Hammond because he's going to be 80 this October. And, um, you know, Melody said to me, she's like, I don't know if it's okay for me to say this, but he is ripped. He looks good. <laughs> I said, yeah, that's great. That's great to say that. You know, he uses these resistance bands and stuff like that. And, um, you know, as you age, as you get older, uh, you know, you can lose bone density, especially for ladies. And when you have uh, resistance training, your, your muscles will actually grow and develop. And in order for your bones to be able to sustain your muscles, uh, your bones will actually grow density in order to be able to hold the muscle in place without busting. And so uh, resistance training is not always enjoyable, but you actually can't develop those muscles and thereby that bone without the resistance. But yet... Many of us, maybe, especially if you haven't experienced the endorphins of working out, you might kind of like be resistant to resistance training. Like, why do I want to lift weights? Right? Why do I want to do all of that? It's not enjoyable at the moment. Why? Well, because the effect that it has upon you is life-altering and life-changing. And so... Kind of what we're talking about with being infused with courage is as believers, we count it all joy when we face trials of many kinds because the testing of our faith is like resistance training because we're actually being enlarged and strengthened and that is really good for you. And also, I really have a heart for you to enjoy life. And if you're waiting to enjoy life until you have no problems, I'm not going to pray for you to die, but that would be what would have to happen. You just die and go to heaven now. So you can actually, there is such joy in believing, Peter tells us. There's joy in believing. And so instead of trying to go through life doubting and then also with wondering and unsure, let's just make a decision to believe 2 Corinthians 4.13. I have the same spirit of faith. I have believed, therefore have I spoken. Give me this mountain. How dare you defy what God said? Sickness comes into your house. How dare you defy the word of God and the son of God? I was healed by his stripes. Shame and condemnation try to come. How dare you? The word says, if I confess my sins, he is, he is faithful. Devil, you're, you're putting this on me. I'm looking to him. He is faithful. He is just. He will forgive me, has forgiven me. He will cleanse me, has cleansed me. You're going to have to talk to him because I did this all based on him. Amen. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life. Did you know you can do that? Did you know that Jesus is alive today? Did you know that Jesus loves you and he has a plan for your life. 
how, how could you talk to him? How could you come to him? Well, the Bible says, as many as received him, he gave the right to be the children of God. He must be received. It's not automatic. Romans chapter 10 says, if you confess with your mouth the lordship of Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you would be saved. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord, Jesus said, uh, Paul said by the Holy Spirit in Romans there, shall be saved. You can do that this morning. How do you do that? Well, from your heart, you believe that God raised Jesus from the dead. And I like to make it personal for you, for me. And with your mouth, you take a stand. You say, you know, you know my head, I don't have all the stuff in my head, but in my heart, I do believe that. And I take Jesus as my Lord. I'm going to turn my life over to him. All of my dreams, my aspirations, everything, I'm going to do it his way. I want him to be Lord of my life. I have decided to follow Jesus. What you're saying when you say that is you're saying, I don't want to be in charge of my life anymore. I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life. What you're saying is, I want my sins to be forgiven. I want a fresh start in life. I want to be a part of God's family. I want to live God's way and do it God's way. You know, you can't do that without becoming a Christian. You can't live God's way without receiving the ability to do that, which is what happens when you're born again. You get a new nature. You're a different person on the inside. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if you'd like to receive Jesus as Lord, nobody looking around but me, just slip up your hand. I want to pray with you, and I want to pray for you. We're going to pray together in a second, and when we do, not only will God hear my prayer, but more importantly, God will hear your prayer. And he will come into your heart and he will change your life because he loves you. Just slip up your hand so I can see it and then we're all gonna pray together. Say this, say, oh God, I believe that Jesus Christ is your son and that he died on the cross to take away my sins and that you raised him again on the third day to make me right with you. Jesus, I receive you as my Lord. You are my Savior. I'm not going to live for myself anymore. I'm living for you. Thank you, Father God, for saving me. Fill me with your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.